going to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind. And this is the podcast to help you as a kingdom leader really learn what it looks like to advance God's kingdom, both through your life and your business. And one of the things that I love about this show is I get to interview entrepreneurs and really what an entrepreneur is, is a problem solver. One who really looks at the world and says, how do we create value by solving massive problems? And one of the massive problems in our country right now is the lack of affordable housing, right? I, I think, and he's going to show some numbers here, but I think the statistics is like there's a need for like over 7 million affordable housing units in our country right now in the, in the systemic issue that that creates that leads to more poverty especially in large cities in the urban areas of these cities and so i am so so pumped to introduce to you today our guest who's also a former pastor now real estate entrepreneur and investor mr cody purcell what's up brother hey thanks for having me man Yes, man. Right. Well, I'm really, really excited to have you here and just talking about this issue, talking about your company. Um, and so let's start there, man. I don't, I, I'm going to, we're going to get into your story. Uh, you know, we're going to backtrack and then learn about House Guys USA. But why don't we just first um, start with where you at, man? You know, and then what is your company, what you guys are really up to, kind of the mission. Okay, briefly. Sure. So, um, yeah, brief overview. We are in Kansas City. Um, Missouri right now that's where we are pubbed and do all of our business and yeah we're basically a real estate investment company we're a for-profit company I like to call myself a social enterprise our, our company House Guys USA is a social enterprise we have a for-profit but we also are uh, have a social mission which is really to alleviate poverty in inner city America so we have you know a property management company maintenance company, just a full service operation to um, buy properties, get them fixed up. We do um, a lot of rental properties and rent to own properties hmm. in Kansas City, all, all in class C neighborhoods in the inner city. Hmm. Before, and I, I wanna get into this, but frame this conversation up for us today, man. Like, why are you committed? To, like, why is this work so important for you? And why is this gonna be such an important topic for our audience to really understand this issue and the issue that you are really dedicating your life and building your company around to alleviate. Why is this so massive? Yeah, you know, um, I, I got into this not knowing um, the poverty that we had in our own country. I actually got into this, and I'll tell more of my story later, but I got into this to be able to fund mission work to alleviate poverty in third world countries. But yeah, man, this, um, this is a real big issue. Um, that goes back generations of, um, you know, with redlining, segregation, back since the 1930s. And, you know, even all the way up to the 1970s, we had a real big issue with racism and hatred. You know, we have a, we all know that we have a dark history with segregation and racism, but it really had a huge, huge impact on wealth and it had a huge impact on, um, really establishing a culture of poverty in the inner cities where, um, you know, quite frankly, the, the um, black community were, they were forced to sustain the ghettos. They were unable to buy properties outside of the inner city. And um, 
yeah, I mean, since the 1970s, laws have changed, right? I mean, Fair Housing, the Act of Fair Housing, the Fair Housing Act of 1968, all that happened, but we still have a big mess to clean up from all of that history of, of hate and um, segregation. So, man, you know, it, it just hit me um, so hard that like this, as a, as a white Christian, as a white human, especially as a Christian, I feel like, man, we need to be a part of the solution to be able to clean that up and to reverse, my heart is really to reverse the effects of racism and hatred in inner city America. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's a pretty heavy topic. I mean, it's, it's heavy, it's heavy, even like, even today, you know, this has been a pretty, you know, our team and everything with what's going on in the, in, in the uh, nation right now with Black Lives Matter, all this stuff, man, it's been, um, it's been real amazing to be a part of that and to be a part of the community to really um, have an effect on what's going on. Even, you know, the stuff that's going on in our nation right now is just stuff that's built up over the years, you know, yeah. and so having solutions to all that is really essential right now. Yeah. Man, I can't wait for this convo. Uh, everyone, this is going to be powerful. I hope too, though, like, yeah, you might be interested in affordable housing or not, but also, you know, you have a vision as a kingdom leader to really see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And so I hope, you know, Cody's story and what we're going to get into today will help you in your own vision of what are you passionate about, right? What do you care about? What do you want to see God's hand touch? And then how can we create business models to really support those things? So, um, right. Like that's, that's all that I'm, I'm really looking forward to get into today. So with that in mind, let me pray. Yeah, and uh, man, let's get into this episode. God, we are so grateful for Christ and that you would come in the flesh and live life among us. God, that you are not, you don't sit up on your throne and, and just, um, direct, you know, from afar, but you came and you got in the muck with us. And I just, I pray that that story, that the gospel would just invade our hearts today. I pray for our people listening, God, that they would be moved um, in any industry to really have a kingdom lens in what they're doing. God, that we might find ways to really seek your kingdom first and really see your will be done here. And so I pray, God, that this time today you would invade our hearts, our minds, our ears, and we might be moved to action in, in, in our own work, in our own lives, God, um, to serve you better. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, bro. Awesome. Dude, I want to ask you this real quick before we jump in, man, because you used a word that I actually don't think a lot of folks understand or even know the history of this, this idea of redlining yeah. and what that is, because I think that's going to really frame up our conversation as well. Yeah, so um, back in the 1930s, there were, um, because of the Great Depression, the government decided to, I'll just give a basic overview, the government decided to create um, affordable housing for people, and um, after some time, the uh, builders and developers started building houses outside of the, the city and the and suburbs, and um, they created these maps where you know, they had green ones, green areas, which were really good areas, yellow areas. And then the red areas were the areas where, um, you know, most poverty in, you know, the African-American community. So they, um, they basically created policy and um, builders and real estate commissions. They would not allow 
African American community come and to buy a property um, in certain areas. So redlining was because of the color of their their designation, the designated area, they weren't able to go and um, purchase property there. So basically, real estate covenants, federal housing policy prevented people to um, get outside of the inner cities to go um, acquire property. Hmm. It's a basis of it, yeah. And as an example, for people to think like, who don't understand the systemic issues of this. If you go and look, if you type in redlining San Diego, if you're from yeah. San Diego and you type in and you do this in your own city, like I, I dare you to go do this in your own city. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and this may not be across the board, but I think it is probably in the majority across the board. If you type in redlining San Diego and you look at the areas where they had those red lines at and look today, all of those areas for the most part, except a very few places, are still some of the lowest income neighborhoods that have some of the highest crime rates in our city. Yes. And so it is for sure, I love this mission, well, I'm excited to talk about this, that your, your vision is to reverse that, but it is so still plaguing our cities, our communities, our people today. It's real, it's, it's because of the years, the generations of poverty now that occurred from that, it becomes really complex to be able to provide really good solutions for that. But yeah, you're exactly right, man. Here in Kansas City, there's, um, we have one street, it's called Troost, and um, they call it the dividing line. And literally you could be on one side of Troost and houses are valued at 200,000. You go into, you cross over into um, to, to the inner city part of, of, of that line, values go down to like $20,000, $30,000. It's, um, it's crazy. And just the, honestly, the spiritual climate it's just completely different. It changes right when you get in. I, I honestly believe that, you know, as a Christian, I believe that there is a spiritual dynamic to what's going on um, in that environment as well. So it's just, it's just, it's just a completely different feel once you get over to that area. And I think, man, you know, when you have that racism and that hatred that's happened for so many years and that, that systemic poverty, you know, the enemy has brought this oppression down and um, there's just a real heavy spiritual atmosphere there in fact my I, I convinced my wife to move i'll tell my story but my convinced my wife to move to the inner city with me and it was it's um it's been a pretty interesting experience living down in the inner city completely different feel huh. Dude, so let's back up a little bit man so uh because you were a former pastor you know we talked about that i mean let's let's talk about how this came about man like where gabby had to place this on your heart um, and just, you know, how this originally started. And then I want to get into, you know, how you're making this work today. Okay. Sure. So I, um, I actually, my background was education. I was an English teacher at a Christian school in, near, in the suburbs of Kansas City for five years. Always done pastoral ministry. My heart has always been poverty alleviation. That's just been my, my heart, my focus. And so we started doing missions work in Juarez, Mexico, um, after the cartels hit there there was drug wars and so left a lot of orphans a lot of um that type of initiatives were available so we, we started going down to juarez and helping out an orphanage there but man i just had as a pastor and a church planner um the whole donation thing has always just been such a a challenging thing and that's a whole nother conversation to talk about this the mindset of nonprofits and and how that that whole thing works but um yeah, I was just, I had such a difficult time constantly trying to fundraise to try to handle initiatives. I said, Lord, there's got to be a better way to be able to fund these things. I mean, we live in a great 
you know, American dream, America the great here. What, you know, what can I do father to, um, fund these initiatives? Hmm. So I started really praying about that and thinking through that. And, uh, my wife and I went, we ended up going to Dallas for a year to get more church planning training, just get more ministry training. And I, um, so what happened, how I got involved in real estate was I, as I started praying about this, I, I couldn't find a teaching job to save my life in uh, Dallas. It was right after the, the Great Recession, so they had a hiring freeze on educators. I have a master's degree in education. I couldn't get a job. I even applied for like Pizza Hut. I was trying to find <laughs> something, you know, my savings was going down, but they said I, I was overqualified. So I was literally forced into construction because there's nothing else available. I ended up uh, tutoring some kids. Of a, their father owned a roofing company in Dallas. It's like, hey, well, I, I'll train you on how to do roofing sales. So I was like, well, I got to get started somewhere here. I have to, I wasn't thinking of doing that to get into, you know, where I'm at now. I was just thinking I got to pay bills. And so, um, I was, I was honestly during that season, man, that was a rough season for me. I was really praying. I was confused on, you know, I got all this education on, um, masters in education. I was planning on being a teacher and doing all these things. And so I went on a fast and I, that sounds real spiritual, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not really great at fasting. It was like a, three-day fast. But on day three, I was just really pressing into the Lord. I was like, Lord, what, what, um, what do you want me to do? You know, like I, I have a heart for missions. I have a heart as a pastor. I want to alleviate poverty in more as Mexico. What, you know, how do I do this? And so I had, um, I'm not sure how many uh, charismatic Christians we have out there, but I had a, uh, um, I had a vision as I was praying. And uh, I don't know if I shared this with you, Ellis, mm -hmm. but I, uh, so I'll just share this vision really quickly with you guys. It was real brief, but it impacted me tremendously. I had a vision that I was on this passenger train, okay? And I was wearing this business suit, really nice black business suit with a red tie. And um, I was on this passenger train and outside was like desert scenery. But so it was just me on this train and then I'm in the passenger, I'm in the uh, aisle seat and I look over and Jesus was sitting on the other side and the other aisle seat, but he was wearing like his normal uh, Jesus garb, you know, like sandals and his, you know, robe and he had a beard, but he had like this huge smile. I could see it. Like even now as I'm talking about, I could see it as clear as day in my mind, but um, he's looking at me with this big smile. Like he has his face, like, let's do this. That was his face. And, you know, I, I was kind of taken back by it and I look back over and uh, he has an electric um, shaver. So his, he has a beard, but he's like trimming his neck beard like this, like an electric razor. So this is, this is a pretty interesting encounter. Like I, I don't have a lot of these experiences, you know, but he's shaving his neck. And like, I remember just feeling like a lot of joy when I was like seeing this. And then um, I look back over, all of a sudden he got this silly look on his face and he started growing and he got too big for the train. And then the vision cut out. And so I was like, I don't really know what that means, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> but um, it seems like you're, you're pushing me towards business. So I'm just going to kind of run with it. I'm going to learn about business. So I, it kind of put me on this journey of like, okay, I'm going to start reading books on business. I'm going to start learning business. And so as I got involved in construction, I, um, I had some grace on my life and just a, a real easy skill set to do business. Like I was really good with sales. And so I ended up, um, starting my own roofing business 
in, in Dallas and took that back to Kansas City and opened a, I did a remodeling company. So for a while there, I was doing remodeling and that's, that was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well, maybe, maybe God is pushing me to establish a remodeling business so I can fund kingdom initiatives, right? And so um, I started uh, as a remodeler. One of our biggest clients were property management companies because they would provide a lot of consistent work. You know, you go there, they have turnovers or maintenance requests and our guys, we could do a little bit of everything. So I started making some good connections with one particular property management company and they serviced the inner city of Kansas city. And so I started doing the rehabs and that's when my eyes were opened up to um, poverty in Kansas city. I was shocked, you know, <laughs> growing up and then, you know, living in um, the suburbs of Kansas city, you kind of just drive around the hood. You know, you don't, you see it on TV, you see all the crime, you see all the violence, you know, it's there, but it's kind of like, there's a stigma on it and you just kind of drive around it. You don't want to go through it. And I remember doing remodels in the inner city and it was an eye opener for me. And I was like, man, what is going on? Like I started asking myself the question, what happened? Like, why do we still have all this poverty? Why do we have a, such a heavy black population all in this area? You know, what, what's going on? I, I grew up with black friends and um, even my neighbors in the suburbs were black, but I was, I was questioning like, why, why is it so, you know, heavily populated here? And why do we have so much poverty? So it put me on this journey, man. I was like, man, what, what happened? I started doing all this research on why ghettos exist. I read a book called the color of law, which blew my mind. Another book about Kansas City was race, real estate, and uneven development. Just going through the whole history, you know, I gave you guys a, a real brief history, but I mean, these books go into really good detail on federal policy and like real estate confidence on like, even like in 1960, the warranty deed still, like an actual title to a house still said, no Negroes allowed on a, a freaking title. You know, it's just hideous. But um, yeah, it, it just put me on this journey and, um, and it started this, this desire for real estate and passive income started kind of stirring in my heart. And so, man, I, I, I partnered up with a, a guy and um, he had a hard money lender and we just started buying a bunch of real estate. I found, uh, I kind of had to get a ticket to the dance. The guy was extremely hard money. 15%, 30 points for any of you guys out there that understand real estate and hard money. That was like the hardest it can get probably. <laughs> but, and he would only give me the money to purchase the property. But I, um, I, I was convinced that um, real estate was the way to go for passive income to, I was still thinking poverty initiatives outside of inner city, you know, but I was thinking passive income. And honestly, man, just over the years, it's just funny how the Lord kind of orchestrates everything and everything kind of comes together as you um as you take steps of faith as doors of opportunity come and you you prayerfully consider things and you're, you're taking steps of faith the lord just orchestrates certain partners and orchestrates certain connections right now i have a, such a great um investment team partners i have a lot of uh good friends that we all work together now in the inner city a lot of private guys i have a couple guys dennis and amy right now that they're just amazing um God send Christians, they do investments. But yeah, man, so all of this stuff came together for me. And now our mission, um, I, I, I feel like God has given me an understanding on how to tackle and how to provide a solution for inner city property. And um, it's really, it really is through affordable housing. Families really do need affordable housing products. So that's a- 
let's get in that, man, because yeah. the, the problem I, I see or we talk about a lot in the world of real estate is that, you know, it's hard to build affordable housing. Like we have a lack of it, but it's hard to build it because yeah. it's expensive to build right now. Right. right. And you're getting you're you're not getting subsidized enough by the government. You know, you can't charge premium rents because it's affordable. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, man, like you build a business, you're living there, you're supporting your family. What do you like? How are you? What are you doing, I guess, first in this realm of affordable housing? Okay, sure. And how have you found a way to make this work and pay investors? Because that's what's amazing, right? It's like yeah. you have people in part of this as well. So let's talk about what you're doing and how you figured out a way to really maybe find a different path than most people were overlooking. Yep. Sure. So, yeah, you you've, um, you nailed it correctly on that, Ellis. It's to, to actually build new um, new construction, right? for the affordable housing space, it puts a lot of pressure on builders and developers. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to go that route. They're trying to um, build apartment complexes and provide low-income family housing. But, you know, the cost of things have gone up even since, even during this time of COVID, right? Uh, inflation, material costs, labor costs is going up. And so it really puts a lot of pressure on the, on the builders and developers to go towards luxury apartments because it's, you know, these guys do this. I mean, they want to, even if these guys want to help people, right, in the affordable housing space, the money just doesn't make sense financially, so they can't do it. They're not, you know, they're a for-profit business. They're not a charity. Right. So you do, you have to either get like a government grant and, or, you know, and that, that, that in and of itself has its own problems to try to, to do that. And so what we've discovered is that renewing or renovating a community is more cost-effective. So, you have all these beautiful old homes in, in, in the inner city, you know, they were built in the 1900s and um, they have really good bones. And so what we've decided is let's restore the community. Let's provide a affordable housing product, but rather than try to buy the land, develop the land, build new construction, let's develop what's already there in the inner city and really clean up, literally clean up the mess and provided an affordable housing product. And so that's that's honestly how we're able to, that's our success on how we're able to pay investors because in class C markets, you can buy properties at a really, really affordable rate. Um, I mean, we're buying properties, you know, $30,000, $40,000 all in, in the inner city. And so that that price point gives us flexibility to be able to give our investors a good return, keep our rent, and or our rent to own um, price down. So it can be affordable for families, you know, and, and you look up on the HUD website, affordable just means that people's mortgage or their rent is 30% of their income. Hmm. And that's, you know, kind of what we shoot for. And so that's kind of what, what, what I've done is I started with what is, I don't, we don't look at market rent because that's not what matters to us. What matters to us is what people can really afford and we look at, so we look at income, we look at the trends of income in, in our market. And so we keep our, our rents are normally down or under market rent. And we do that intentionally because, you know, I see a lot of guys come in there and they try to force market rents and they might get it for a couple months, but families just can't afford it. And so our philosophy is if the tenant can't afford it, we can't afford it. And so all those things, being able to get the, the acquisition price has been a real, real key for us to be able to, um, make it all work. 
Let me ask you this, because I, I, I know a lot of folks, even on the apartment side of things, you know, they don't want to do C-Class because it's a lot more maintenance and yeah. oversight on the, on the property management side of things, yeah, right? right? Fearful that, you know, folks won't take care of, won't take care of the property as much, or they're going to have more issues, like right. you said, collecting rents and, you know, all of the mindset of investing or owning property in a lower income neighborhood. How are you guys doing that differently, you know, and being able to, to do that well? I'm so glad you asked me that question because that is exactly what we're doing. We are developed. We're, I, I want to revolutionize property management in inner city um, America. I think that um, if any of my real estate investors out there know this to be true, that most property managers are terrible. <laughs> and we know we've all, if you've, been in the real estate market long enough, you know that um, property management really is in any market that you're in property management is essential. And quite frankly, to be a property manager, you don't have to have much qualifications or experience. You just got to have a willing soul and a guy that can, you know, do things. And so we're trying to be at house guys, man, we're trying to be real intentional on developing a model that actually works for class C markets. And so here's what we've done. We've, um, we do take on a lot of subsidy um, vouchers because there's a huge need for it in the city and um, there's some families that really do need it and I, I know a lot of investors are against uh, taking on subsidy houses but um, there's it, it creates a little bit of stability because you have a consistent collection um, so so we minimize risk by vouchers another thing we do is man listen if you buy a property and you do the rehab right and you get all that stuff done up front it's gonna save you a lot of headache later a lot of guys, um, if you buy a property and you don't take care of your stuff from the beginning, you're going to have deferred maintenance. You're going to have problems in the future. So what we try to do is we try to, what we call make the house bulletproof. You know, we try to, we try not to put carpet in properties, for example, and we, we don't go light on like plumbing fixtures, things that tenants are hard on, you know what I mean? Just by nature that if you don't own a house and you're a little harder on, we don't put those things in the house. We, you know, we do, um, waterproof flooring, luxury vinyl tile, you know, things that we can think of in the long term if a tenant does move out, will minimize our, our turnover costs. We try to use the same color paint. We try to, you know, buy things in bulk, you know, but really getting getting that house done, done from the beginning saves you a lot of headache in the future. And another thing, man, what we do at our property management company is you gotta you gotta provide some training and some education to your families. You know, um so we do a lot of that, even on the maintenance side, we try to empower people to take care of little things themselves. And um, we have different incentive programs for that. But one of the things, man, that we just did right now um, for our cash tenants is we are developing a program where we have made some really, really strong partnerships with uh, nonprofit organizations. There's all, here, here's what's amazing. There's all kinds of people that want to help people in the inner city. You have churches, you have nonprofit organizations, you have um, all these organizations that want to help, but one of the weaknesses they have is they're not really good at collaborating. They kind of have their own agenda. And that's, I, as a pastor, I can say this, that's pretty common in the nonprofit world is everybody has their own thing, but they don't work really well together. So what we've decided to do is I've developed a branch of our, uh, our uh, property management company called this community development. So I hired a guy and all he does is he partners with all these community organizations to provide resources to our families. So if we have a family that loses their job, if we have a family that um, has an issue, 
they have, we call them stability barriers. Any, any stability barrier that gets in the way, they contact us and then we hook them up. We get them over the resource. I mean, we collect rental assistance on a monthly basis. During, during COVID, we've really been able to help um, save a lot of families from having to move out because we're able to get um, grants and food and clothes and job training. You know, we just, we're, we're trying to develop a hub of resources. Right ability barriers for families. And that's been, that's been a real good stability for us because, um, you know, if you do a, a normal a standard property management procedure where you just evict by the eighth, you know, what we do instead is mm. let's identify the barrier. Yeah. You might, you might not get your, that money. You might, the money might not come in until towards the end of the month because you're waiting on that grant, but you're avoiding turnover costs. You're avoiding eviction costs. You're avoiding, um, vacancy costs, holding costs. I mean, I mean, I, I know the numbers for ourselves personally, if we evict a tenant, it's going to cost us 3000 bucks just to turn it over, to get it ready again, to holding costs, or we can reach out to a community organization, get some assistance, wait an extra 15 days, help the family out. Right. But as a property management company, we have a team that, um, of social work minded property managers. So we've combined some social work, some case management, and we've integrated that into our property management model where we are a little more hands-on, more involved with families' lives and we provide those kind of systems. Yeah, I love that, man. This is not a, um, and I do think this is why this doesn't get done as much because it, you can tell, man, like you're in it, you know, like it takes getting your hands dirty. Yeah. And I love this partnership between a for-profit business, an entrepreneur like you, and still needing nonprofits in your city, the the collaboration there and figuring out how do we really come alongside each other. Yeah. So I do think that's worth pointing out. Um, can, I sh- can I share just one story of a uh, success story on that real quick? What- well, hold on. I want to end with the success stories because I know you got some, some, some massive ones. Um, yeah because I, I, I want to, I want people to end with the real vision of man, how this is, what this could look like. Right. And what this really is. But, but here's my question first, you know, because this is the kingdom capitalist show, man. So we're about kingdom impact and building wealth. How do you make, like, what does this look like from a investor standpoint, right? How do you, how are you helping people? You know, you're helping people in the, in the neighborhood, but you also got to fund this. How do you yeah. make that work and what does it actually look like? And and, my, and maybe the, the question is too, what do you really need? Is it just capital? You know, yeah. so let's talk about that. Okay, sure. So um, for me personally, I've just made some good partnerships with um, investors and we formed LLCs and he brings money to the table. I bring the operation to the table. And so we just kind of do a joint venture in an LLC but, um, and then I, we pay his funding LLC, you know, 10% return. Hmm. That's, that's what we're finding a lot of times is we just, um, that's a pretty standard rate, eight to 10%. We, we, is that a debt structure? Yeah. So we do have fully amateurized schedule on that. So, and I mean, we have some, we have some investors that, um, want like a, do an interest only thing. And so we have that, um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we manage properties for other investors as well. And what they do is they'll sometimes get a hard money loan. They'll um, refinance it with the bank. And so they'll get funding that way. But um, I, I love private money. I really value the private investor. That's such a big, honestly, man, I tell you, 
one of the things that's missing in the, in the inner cities is, you know, they have the government trying to do things, you have the nonprofits trying to do things, but we need, we need private investors who are willing to risk and, and invest in, um, in the inner city. And so that's what, that's my heart is how can I provide a channel and avenue for investors to get a decent return on their money, but also a social return on their money. And so it's that triple bottom line that we talked yeah, about. Right. It's, huge. it's exactly right. Yeah. And so we do, um, and let's be honest, 10%, that's no, nothing, that's no, dude, nothing to scoff at, man. We're not getting that in the S and P 500 ever. Right. So let's talk right. about like, dude, this yeah. is, this is why I love real estate and what I'm trying to help people see it's along amazing. my journey is like, you don't have to sacrifice return for impact. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's out there. And so I love that. Man. Yeah. We have guys that, you know, depends on, depending on if you just buy it with cash, but if you have a rental property and that's kind of your strategy, if you want to actually own the property yourself, um, we sell turnkey properties to investors and we'll manage them. Um, but if they, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get 10% there as well um, uh, before debt service. So it depends on the debt structure that you have, but if you're just buying a house with cash, you could, I feel real confident that a 10% return is still there with that. Now with, with the investors that I go to, they invest in us and then we'll give them a 10% return, but we'll give them a security. You know, we secure it on the asset so that they can, if something happens, then they have a real asset that they could sell to get there. So not only are they getting 10% return, but a lot of these, you know, our guys are getting a mortgage or a deed of trust here in Missouri as a security instrument to protect their investment. So, and I, I'm, I'm real intentional about making sure that we buy the property at a low enough point where if they, if something were to happen, it's really, really, really important to me to protect my investors, you know, and to build long-term relationships because I want people that really want to change the inner city with me. And I, I love, love, love making investors money, man. Kingdom guys, yeah. if they want to invest money, I like, I get excited. I would rather pay, honestly, like there's times when I could get a bank loan or I could go with my 10% guy. I choose to go with my 10% guy because he's a, he's a, he's a guy, he's a Christian, he's an investor. And, um, I want to see them, um, invest in the community, but also make good money doing it. Let me ask you this real quick side note, because we're coming to Kansas city. We're trying to buy bigger deals in Kansas city. What, what, what does that look like for operators like us? Just use us for an example, who are buying, you know, stuff, not necessarily on the inner city side of things, BA class neighborhoods, larger multifamily stuff. Like, is there a, a partnership there, a bridge there to come in, you know what I mean? Like how do, how do those things work together? That's a good question. You know, I, commercial or, um, you know, apartment complex and that type of stuff is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. We folk, you know, I focus on single family residential, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, there's Kansas city is a booming real estate market right now. There's all kinds of opportunities for apartment complexes. You know, there are, um, a lot more apartment complexes actually outside of the inner city. We find some, but there's not a whole lot in the inner city. So I guess to answer your question for partnerships, um, you'd probably have to teach me a little bit more about that. Yeah. A little bit more well, it's coming that. soon, folks. We'll, we'll, you'll, you'll hear more if you follow along our journey. Okay. I know me and Cody are going to be really trying to bring great stuff to the Kansas City MSA, man. So, um, Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, let me, let's end with this, man. I want to hear some stories. I mean, you had a story you were eager to share. Maybe start with that one, but you know, like this is all great. You know, we can talk about this, but man, we're really dealing with people here, right? This is the real mission of, of what God's called us to is to, 
impact his kingdom and his most valuable asset is people. And so what's, what's happening, man? Okay. Well, um, yeah, let me tell you this one story here. So we had, I'll just say Miss Page. She, um, was really been a great tenant for years with us. Um, got into a property, her son disabled. We actually built a ramp so she could wheelchair, uh, use a wheelchair to get her son into the, the house there. Um, but she, um, just about three months back, she fell into some hard times. She lost her job. And, you know, most property management companies, you know, they're not even really involved in those dynamics. You know, if you can't pay, you don't, if you don't pay, you don't stay. That's kind of the right. right way of doing it, you know, in the real estate world. So she contacts us, lets us know. We are already connected with some community organizations that provide a grant for her. So we got her hooked up, right? But she fell into such a depression that she didn't even want to, she couldn't even get out of her house. She didn't want to leave her house and to even go down and to apply for the grant, you know? And so what we did was my guy, Dr. K, Kenneth, he, uh, he's like, I'm going to go get her. So he drove down to there, told her to get in the car. He took her to the place to fill out the application to get the grant, sat her down in the office, helped her fill out her resume and helped her um, apply for a job. And within a week there, she, she got a new job. And so we had to, we got a letter of intent from the, the grant company, right? To provide some rental assistance to give her a bridge gap while she's waiting, which that's what we want. We want to have in our file that we have a letter of intent. So, you know, we're delaying any litigation or any process like that, you know, any move out process. And then um, we put her on a little bit of a, the grant didn't cover everything, but we put her on a little bit of a back payment plan and just added like 25 bucks a month to her um, rent. And within a couple months, she got caught up and she was firing on all cylinders again. And so those are the kind of things that we're seeing on a regular basis at house guys is it's a lot more work and we have to think outside of the box on property management and we have to learn the social dynamics of poverty and low-income housing and um the african-american culture even you know just all those dynamics and just we, our team and i'm so thankful for our team we're able to um to do those things but um those are the exciting stories that we're seeing, man. And we're also, you know, this, this year we've, um, from June to now, um, I partnered with this guy out of Pennsylvania, Dennis, he'll listen to this too, but man, he's been such a great partner. He brought this understanding of rent to owns to the table with me and um, really uh, showed me the ropes on doing rent to owns and how that model could work for inner city. And dude, we've done, we've done 30 rent to owns oh. in the last year, which has been an amazing thing. Um, as far as ultimate stability is concerned, you know, providing home ownership is one of the things that we really are making a push for in Kansas City as well. So, yeah. Dude, I love it, man. Well, listen, I know people are going to want to follow along your journey, yeah. hear more what's happening. You've put together um, an ebook to kind of explain yes. more of what we're doing or what you're doing. Excuse me. Um, I want to encourage people, go grab this. It's not that long, and it really dives more deeply into the history of this. Yeah. And what you're doing, you know, from a, a you know, your model to um, to renew that city in these neighborhoods. And so I highly, highly encourage folks, go check this out. It's a quick read. And I'm telling you, you'll be, you'll get a ton of great education from this, but also, you know, maybe have some ideas of how you might be able to do this or even partner with him um, there in Kansas City. So where do they go to grab that, man? Yeah, so um, I created a, a little um, page for it. It's Cody Purcell. My last name is P-E-R. S E L L Cody Purcell.com backslash affordable housing. 
and it just we have an ebook on there. Um, but man, really the main thing that I, I mean, it's, it's a great exercise for me to be able to put all this stuff into writing, but I'm just, I just want to connect with people out there. I want, you guys are interested in learning about more about affordable housing or if you guys are, um, I'm, I would love to connect with other people that are doing the same thing in other cities, you know, feel free to reach out to us. You can go on our website too, houseguysusa.com. You can find out a little bit about our company there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Cody Purcell. So please, I would love to connect. And um, we, we do provide some training for guys that are just getting started in real estate and they want some consulting. Or if you guys are interested in even investing in Kansas City, you know, if you guys are looking for a turnkey rental or something like that, um, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to connect. Yeah, I love that, man. I will for sure put all those links in the show notes. All you got to do is just go click Cody Purcell forward slash affordable housing, and I will make sure you have access to that ebook and then reach out to him on LinkedIn. And let me just um, give a quick call to action for folks. Go interact with us on social media. Like, you know, this is what we're talking about today. It, we're not you're not finding this on the internet. It's hard to hear and find conversations about this kind of stuff, how we can create wealth, renew neighborhoods, right? Have business models for that. That's why the show exists. And we, and I say this every week, but I, I want you to hear this sincerely to all, everyone who's listening. It means a ton and it goes a long ways for you to share this and get this message out. Um, we're at, almost 15,000 downloads, Cody, which is pretty cool. And I want to see that number just explode off the page, man. I think we've had, you know, um, we have several hundred folks who listen to the show, but I want to see this grow, man, because I know there's a bigger need than just a few hundred people um, looking for opportunities like this to not just make money, but really make money matter. And so everyone, I'm simply asking, write a review and even more simply screenshot this share it on LinkedIn, tag a couple friends and say, Hey, this was awesome. Go listen to this. Um, and then if you know any, you know, folks who could uh, want to partner with Cody or with us, please reach out. So Cody, man, so grateful for you, brother. Yeah. Oh, what thank you're you. doing there. Thanks for what you're doing, man. It's amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Everyone. Thank you again. Excited to continue in this journey with you. Make sure you go grab Cody's book. See you next week. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.